Hit me. Right in the sternum this time, T-Baby. Shit, you already know. You already know. You already know. Damn. Hello. Hey. It's Ergo. It is. I'm Kiss. I am Damon. With the one finger up. Mm-hmm. I, it's one thing I we know. I claim it. <laughs> I declare. <laughs> Bankruptcy. <laughs> this is not an office uh, recap podcast, though it should be. It could be. What we do here is showcase the folks reshaping the culture of Chicago for the more equitable and creative. How are you, my friend Damon? I'm well. The world, you know, gives me what I need. I am old school tired. This is a morning that have like I haven't been tired like this in a while, and I don't even need to be this tired. It's, it's not like anything happened or I didn't get enough sleep. I just just like just nos- world weary, nostalgia tired. This is, <laughs> this is the way I used to get tired, like college tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. How are you? I um I'm all right. I just got back from New York. I uh, was visiting family. Ergo alum Aaron, my brother just graduated from college. I thought you were gonna say Aaron, my brother Kisslinger. I thought it was gonna be like <laughs> that was his middle nickname. <laughs> that would be really funny and really disrespectful but they just graduated from Oberlin shout out to them so we were back visiting uh, for the commencement and then went to New York and had a little beach time celebration with my grandma and my cousins it was lovely and I had to return to the real world and uh, it's been it's been a little rocky the last couple of days but I'm glad that we got to be in here having a good conversation uh, we kept it in the family, speaking of family, this week. Ergo, employee, among many other things. Uh, I don't like the word employee. Yeah, that baby cringe. Colleague, frolic, collaborator. Partner collaborator. Ergo associate producer. producer, Davon Clark, is our guest this week. He is a photographer and poet and graphic designer and artist and all around just... Cutie pie around town. It's funny you say that. On the live show intro, I called him a cutie pie. It's been communally decided, Davon, <laughs> that you are... Our resident cutie pie. Absolutely. (laughs) Now that we're becoming grizzled and old, we needed a cutie pie in here. So it's a great conversation. We go all over the place. Uh, Really, really a blast to get to talk to Davon in a way that we haven't before. One quick community announcement. Our next run of Ergo Tees are now available. Buy them. We will tweet out the link. It should be by the time this comes out live on the Ergo website at uh, the store tab. Buy them for other people and then have them wear them. Buy them for strangers. Buy them just as souvenirs. Frame them, put them on your wall. Cut the sleeves. Once you have it, it is yours. If you want to turn it into rags, that's fine. You could do what you want. We'd appreciate it if you didn't. Sleep in it. (laughs) Steal it from your partner. (laughs) Please tweet us if you've ever taken an Ergo tea from your partner. I would love to know. That's where I know we will have made it then. We have. They are available on the Ergo website. Check our social media. And then also Allied Media Projects runs a store. So you can get them. They'll be shipped straight to your house. And they're, I would say, much softer and higher quality than the last run we did. Better tees. Better tees. If you have an old one, you might want a new one. Monday, Tuesday, Re-up. Wednesday, you were the first one. Thursday, Friday, the new one. Re-up your tee. So without further ado, let's get to our wonderful conversation with Davon Clerk. But I- we have... I would say, let's see, special seems like, so yeah, special is the word I use every that's time. That's disingenuous. For but this. you're not not special. You're certainly special. Hmm. Let's say, uh. Thinking of a synonym to comfort. <laughs> a convenient guest. A wonderful artist. like warmth. I know. So <laughs> why we can hit up you last minute. Poet, visual artist, photographer. And Ergo staff member, among many, many other man about town, around and about, <laughs> Davon Clark is here. Blah, blah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can never. Can I feel never. like you've been you've been waiting for the <laughs> meal. Yeah, I've been trying. I've been practicing. <laughs> been practicing. So, for those who don't know, in addition to many other things that we'll get into, Davon is our associate producer here at Ergo. Uh, he handles our social media. Um, he makes all the beautiful audiograms that you see week to week, pulling clips from the show and putting some captions and and, and does a whole bunch of other stuff. If you're not following us at this point, you're missing out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I would say six months ago was not the case. <laughs> yeah, you are right. You were doing just fine. <laughs> but but you really stepped the game up, Davon. So let, let's start um, where we start every week. Uh, in this time, in this moment, in this season, how's the world treating you and how are you treating the world? 
when y'all hit me up 12 hours ago, <laughs> I was really thinking about it. I'm like, man, I'm going to have to answer that question. I'm kind of coasting at this point, right? Um, I'm coming up on a year in Chicago, and that's more and more wild to me, like, every day, right? Like, mm-hmm. I've been thinking about coming here for a long, long time and to finally be doing what I said I wanted to do in the ways that I want to do it, right? And learning things along the way, right? But the fact that I'm doing something that I set out to do years ago has been more and more wild to me. Sometimes I go on autopilot. You know, I'm working a lot. And then sometimes I'm really like going in slow motion. So I think the world's treating, like the world's holding me really well. Yeah. And I'm trying to get better at holding it back hmm. in the same way. So what, what was the goal a couple years back that you feel like you've accomplished now? Still accomplishing. I originally went to, to college to, to try and wrestle. Um, Penn State, I went to Penn State. Not your inner turmoil, like actually the sport of wrestling. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> Not like I wrestle with myself. No, um, I was like, oh, you were yeah. an English major too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I went, yeah, I went for the, the sport of, of folk style wrestling. Um, <laughs> and was on like a pretty good track to like do what I wanted to do. Like I'd started in high school. Penn State at the time were like, well, still are um, like dominating college wrestling. And I wanted to be a part of that. My first semester, I get a really bad injury at a uh, at club wrestling practice. Actually, after like I took a little break from the NCAA grind or whatever. Yeah, I was like, I, I need something else to do with myself. I had been wrestling like nonstop from like freshman year two thousand nine to like then it was two thousand fourteen. Just walked into a poetry slam at campus. Found out about this group there. Fell in love with art and everything like that. Bought a camera so we could like do like the button poetry style videos and stuff. And was like this is what I want to do like it's what mm-hmm. I feel like called to do it's what I feel like I should be doing and I was like I just want to be a full-time artist like in mm-hmm. some way shape or form um I didn't know what that looked like at the time but uh we knew the people around us who we looked up to were doing it to now be like in the same city of like literally my favorite musicians my favorite poets my favorite thinkers my favorite talkers and like just kicking it like I I don't know I think that that's a long way of saying I set out to live like how the people um, that inspire me are living <laughs> and I'm doing it in a lot of different ways if that makes sense yeah that's super exciting part of why I loved you know when you started working with us was obviously there are many ways that it's not parallel but as another transplant here there was some of that same like hey I see this thing going on over there and I want to figure out a way to be part of it and the people who are a couple steps further down the road I want to be able to plug into that just personally like what I found was there was some real joy in that, and then there was some real disillusionment. Uh, how have you been finding that balance of, like, there were people you were watching from afar, and now you're in proximity with, and not, you know, not that everyone's an asshole and that it's all a lie, but just some of the messy complications of people actually being in community together. Everyone is an asshole. <laughs> everyone definitely But if everyone's an asshole, an asshole <laughs> is anyone an asshole? <laughs> all right, all right. No, they're all assholes. <laughs> yeah, what's the standard? The touche, you want yeah. that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's been it's been actually like a lot cooler you know um i'm a very anxious person i have a lot of social anxiety um so when i first got here i was really afraid of like how people were going to receive me the spaces i was going to be in like how i was going to be held like and people were so much more welcoming than like i expected or like i was letting them you know hmm. i think i've always been really afraid of accepting help or like reaching out for help and when i came here i had a lot of homies who were like putting help in my lap they were hmm. like yo you are struggling and like we are not going to let you do that Rage Jackson and Toaster have been so, so, so welcoming. Like, they were, the, they were the first thing I really went to besides work when I got here at Big Kid Slam. Immediately, like, had me, like, hanging out and stuff like that. Man, Toaster, like, let me sleep on his couch, gave me a sandwich when I couldn't afford food and stuff. Like, Did he toast it? Huh? <laughs> That's the second time this episode that we've had the same joke queued up. You've said it both times. I've been like, nah, it's not worth it. <laughs> it's great. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, been, it's been surprising how... How much more community I found in that. I think I always knew people were assholes, right? Like we like that wasn't that's not a surprise to me. So like when people come off as, you know, not the people, like not as mighty as like I had seen them before, um, that doesn't really surprise me as much as like when people take me in. Yeah. So what let's go into your toolbox. Cause I think I really uh you've made a splash, kid. <laughs> I think we're, I really we're gonna be lightly patronizing I, I, the whole I think I really admire the active way I see you, you know, entering space and like you know, you've been here for like a year and it's been like we've been in three or four different meetings or conversations that have nothing to do with you. Yeah. <laughs> and people are like, Yeah, we work we work with Dave Lauder. You know oh, the guy, Dave, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and oh, not only your professionally, but I think also just socially. You're making a splash. And so you know, you're entering a new space 
And I feel like there are things you are intentional about, about mm. how you engage, how you interact, the type of steps that you take to make connections or to open up or to be open to spaces. So what are some of the like steps or tools or lessons or strategies you have? Because I think even if not for Chicago, most people are not as inept. No, that's not the word. That's the opposite adept. of adept. Adept is the opposite of inept. No, don't edit that out. I want people to hear that mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning. Accountability. Yeah. I love it. You want them to hear you yeah. being inept? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I was adept at saying adept. <laughs> no, but most people aren't adept to that shit. You got you curse at the <laughs> yeah, end of it. Yeah, that's making cool. cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how you doing it? Yeah. Um, I mean, in college, I, I burned myself out trying to find out what I wanted to do. Like, knowing my goal, but not knowing how to get there, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of had people on both sides, right? Like, I had people who were saying, like, flourish and all these things that you're, that you're doing. And then I also had other people saying, like, you should, like, like hone in on, on one certain thing. Mm. And I think when I got here, I was just trying to be intentional about, like, finding out what that one thing was supposed to be, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, I met someone, Kenyatta Forbes, who, uh, she does urban macrame art. Dope. Like, she's, yeah, it's mad dope. She's really cool. Um, but she had this term being like a multi-potentialite where um, she was saying like everything influences like the mm-hmm. things that we're doing, right? So That'll get you up here. Make a yeah. word like Make that. it up a phrase like that. <laughs> yeah, no, she, no she, she's definitely someone to reach out to. you to check your email. <laughs> but that really, that really pushed me to like start being more intentional about like using my different, like you said, tools. I'm, I'm constantly trying to use like journalism practice in my poetry. When, when I'm creating images in my poems or in my like journalism pieces that I'm writing or whatever, I'm thinking like, what kind of image am I making in the same way that like when I'm editing a photo in Lightroom or something, I'm like, what do I want like this image to make someone feel? Is there a medium that you feel more at home in than the others? Or does it all kind of feel like pulling from the same pot? I think I feel most at home in poetry um, just because like that's the one I've been like in the longest mm-hmm. at this point. But I love taking photos. I love taking photos. I love taking video. If I'm like taking a role at an event, my role of preference is recording or is producing of some, of some sort. Like hmm. performance, fun. You know, being like on stage is cool or whatever. But I don't know. There's something to like creating a picture that's it's fun. That's really but, interesting. Yeah. But you were performing before you were producing. Yeah, kinda. Like so, I bought like a starter level camera my freshman year, and that was the first time I had a camera in my hands. And it was just like I said, like make videos for our for our poetry group. But, like, just started messing around with it more and more and more. And was just, like, making, like, little side videos, making, like, stuff for friends or whatever. Yeah, and I just fell in love with that, I guess. So let's go back before before college. I, yeah. w- I want to get Because we make vague Philly jokes to you, <laughs> beard-related and otherwise. <laughs> but I actually don't know anything about the home you came up in yeah. and and kind of, like, where you were engaging with the world as a, as a little one. So... I wanna, it's been a while since I asked it this way. Back in the day with Dave Vaughn. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> Growing up, you know, what are the, the kind of sights, sounds, and smells of your house, your block, your neighborhood yeah. that stick with you? So before I, I moved to Philly in the fifth grade, before that, I was in like this little rural town, maybe like an hour outside of Philly. And rural in the kind of like, there were cows up the street from me type stuff, like when cow tipping, kind of rural. Like you, you actually like, pushed over a cow? Yeah, but we won't talk. Like, I try not to talk about it because like, I feel bad now, right? <laughs> I like, think the statute of limitations <laughs> is up. I think you're in the clear. Right, the farmer's going to hear this and be mm-hmm. like, oh, nah, gee, and I like, knew it was and you. The ca- and so what happened? like this is folklore to me. So what happens is you you and other people yeah. use the force of your body yes. to push over a cow's body. <laughs> yeah. and, and, then then, they, and a cow cannot get up from its side. I don't know what happened in you the aftermath. Know. I know that it started doing like this weird move. And then a bunch of other cows started running like, up oh, on us. Okay. Yeah, so I don't know if it eventually got up or something. Like it, it was like, a, but I know I ran. Were so, you with experienced cow tippers? Or no, no, I won't. No, we were. I forget like when, <laughs> who roped you into this experience. You, know, you got lassoed. Um, uh, it was. I forget what movie or like what show was coming out, but like it was like a cartoon thing. And I remember like there being cow tipping in one of the commercials, and we being a bunch of elements. like we have access to cows. <laughs> hey, wait, you know that cow that's like by the bus stop every day? Yeah, um, but. I, I anyway, I I like associate a lot of like my my upbringing through that. I was living with my grandparents while my mom was fi- um, finishing up college. Shout and, out to moms. Yo, shout big shout out to moms, man. Big 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 shout out to moms. She, yeah, she's done a lot for me. She was finishing up college. Uh, she got her master's in social work, and then we moved out to Philly when that was done. That first year was really weird for me, right? Because like I was in this this very very small town. 
everyone kind of knew each other. You know, mm-hmm. we we went to a we went to like a big church that like everyone in the city. There was always someone saying like, "I remember when you were this small," and I'm like, "I don't like I don't know you." Um, is there anything worse than that comment, man? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I've gotten bigger. <laughs> everyone gets bigger. Let's get over this. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially now, it's like I've been this big f- for about ten years now. At this point as well. <laughs> like that is not news. <laughs> but moving. It was, I moved into a really diverse neighborhood in Philly. What kind of diverse? It diverse in the sense that Good like. question. Yeah. No, very true. It was me, like little, little, little black and Puerto Rican kid. My mom, who's Puerto Rican, and then her uh, her partner was was a white cop. Uh, yeah, a woman. Like, a, she, anyway, <laughs> I, have, like, I have a lot of understandings <laughs> of cops through that. But anyway, mm-hmm. she was cool. Our neighbors were Jewish. Over here, we had gang, a Haitian. Gang, <laughs> gang. <laughs> we, had, um, we had a Haitian family right here. We had a Vietnamese family right here. How do I make sense of this? Like, I didn't know how separated people can be, like, in other cities or even yeah. in other neighborhoods, yeah. right? Because we had, like, this, this like, I don't want to say floor, because it wasn't flourishing. I hate that term, or I hate, like, up and coming or whatever. But, like, we had so many different kinds of people around me, and I took that as, like, normal. So I've grown up with that, right? Yeah, that's, like, actual diverse, not, like, yeah, yeah. half-gentrified diverse. Yeah, not like there's, like, four black people on the on the block or something like mm-hmm. that. And, oh, look at us. Like, we we let colored people around us. Like, you know, it's not. I, I, I stayed in Philly until, like, maybe 16 or 17, and that's when I first started, like, traveling around with wrestling and stuff like that. I've been thinking a lot about the, at least I think for me, and I would guess for the two of y'all as three retired athletes, <laughs> um... <laughs> I was giving it up at LA Fitness yesterday. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. They caught it. <laughs> every it. time. You always suck. <laughs> I could still do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, every I time. feel so bad for the other people at LA Fitness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. I'm, no, I'm silent about it. It's, it's, you it's, don't talk shit? Oh, no, 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 no. It's you, just, just people who like the bad calls. You know what I'm saying? Mm, yeah. People don't. Yeah. No, that's yeah. it. Yeah. That's a that's a pandemic. Oh yeah, I get to get out my like aggressive voice that like, mm-hmm. I have lost. It's so refreshing. Like, bro, I don't give a fuck what you talking about. <laughs> we checking it up. The hell, it's somebody on the court. That's an interference. Yeah. Ball, ball. ball is so different in an LA gym than it is like on a blacktop. We'll we'll get off this time. No, no, Here's it. a joint I pulled yesterday. So we were playing four on four, which is atrocious. People. Yeah, if you can avoid a full court four Why? on four, yeah. do it. Too much. It wasn't ten people there. They're like, all right. Ugh. So. The dude who like had next or whatever was just like in the game, was just standing on the court, right? <laughs> and it's game point. And unacceptable. And you know, a weaker yeah. of my teammates uh like passed it to him because I at first I thought he was on our team too. Right. I passed him and then he made the pass. And like, no, I checked the ball. That's like whole ass interference. Wait, you pass it to him and then he just moved ball movement. Yeah, ball movement because he was wearing a white shirt like somebody on our team. And so he was like Excellent. standing in the game. He wasn't oh, like off on the side. Yeah. He was like shooting while we were playing. So we're like, you know, check it up. And they're, they're trying to like go. It's like, no, I'm not. You know, we've had enough arguments. This is absurd. Yeah. Check ball. You know, and they try to do a little thing. And then somebody's like, no, do it down on me. And it's like, gee, it, it don't matter what, what you're talking about. Like, check ball. I'm not, I'm not doing this with y'all right now. Yeah. And then he shot it and missed. I said, I wish you would have made it so we could have checked it up anyway. <laughs> I was, I, that's how bold I was. It was like, it don't matter what you... I really wish that this conflict continued. I was not, I was not going. But you're trash. It's, it's, it's a safe space for escalation. <laughs> and, and I don't know if y'all respect how sacred the do or die on me is, right? Mm. But I, I told him, fuck what you're talking about. <laughs> I wish you made that. And I still was taking the ball. <laughs> That's about as gully as they begin. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, they were catching it out. It's, not, it's not all anxiety and depression out here. Oh, Sometimes yeah. it's hands. Oh yeah, some bravado. Like. <laughs> oh. But but to this point to- <laughs> about you know as people who have been on teams and you know teams can take a lot of different forms. It doesn't have to be sports. But I was just thinking about the this weekend being out of town and you know. The last time I lived with my with my folks, I was back home visiting them this weekend. I was way more involved in baseball in a lot of different ways mm. than I am now. And so that's kind of still more so than my contemporary life. That's their frame of reference for me. And so it comes up more when I'm home. And it's part of something that bonded mm. me to my family and all that stuff. And so it got me thinking about the roles that being on a team had played and some of those memories a little bit more. You went deep. You went the deep dive. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm a fan <laughs> of the deep dive. We were at the beach. <laughs> um, ah. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Delayed. <laughs> um, but I'm curious for for both of y'all. Actually, what are some lessons that you learned from being on a you know in our case sports team, but it can be all kinds of different teams that you think have been useful for you navigating 
creative communities? I have like two sides of my brain answer this question. There's like the cliche, like learning how to pass the ball, Mm -hmm. you know, knowing how to take up space, especially Mm. I think as us who, you know, operate with whatever language you want to use, certain privilege, certain capability. Once you have that light or once you have that space, right, knowing not to take the shot. Right. Yeah. When, when when you can. Uh, but I think the the better, truer lesson is actually for my bad experiences. I played on a, a really like elite AAU team with like a narcissistic <laughs> coach and director of the program who just treated me really poorly. He actually treated me better than he treated other people. But <laughs> but like it was, you know, a really embarrassing, like really like altering time. And and then it, it taught me the way that I can be depressive, the way I can cower. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing that like this isn't new and like watching how like the lack of confidence or once the team doesn't have faith in me or once the coach doesn't have faith in me the the, the struggles that I can have mm-hmm. and like recognizing that now when the room isn't set up for me hmm. that's interesting yeah what about you like you said to like knowing when to take the shot right mm-hmm. um I think that was one of the bigger parts of like learning how to like fit yourself as a cog into like a moving system mm-hmm. and how Everyone just can take a different role. It's both like learning how to like I can see my own role in like a bigger picture and also like how I can, I don't want to say validate because like that gives me agency, but that's the only word I have right now. How I can validate someone else's role also in the machine that maybe like I don't see like their full like bandwidth, like everything that they're doing, but knowing that they are also contributing to the system in the same way that like I am, right? Hmm. I'd say that's a big part. There's a lot, of, I, I think like... <laughs> In a weird, I was I was thinking about it the other day, right? Like I think I have a lot of confidence in like how I hold up a space now because I don't think a lot of people could beat me in a fight because <laughs> of sports, right? Because of like mm. I guess like seeing myself tested and everything. So I'm like, man, if this like if worse comes to worse, if there's a con- and I haven't been in a fight in a long time, lock on wood, right? Um, but if we get to scuffling, yeah, you're, you're <laughs> you know, in arm's reach. <laughs> exactly. Like I think I'm I think I'm pretty chill. Or <laughs> so like that makes me feel a lot like physically safer, as weird as that sounds. But like I don't know, fighting is a big part of like how I grew up. So mm-hmm. knowing that I could probably win a fight or at least like handle my own in a fight, but knowing that like I'm around people who aren't gonna fight, you know, like who aren't like who we don't have to fight. Or the fight looks different and it isn't physical. Yeah. That's the other thing that is like, yeah. it, it can come from a different direction. But I do think that is like an important point, the physicality of it and how it changes your relationship to your body and relationship to other people. Yeah. Like I think about the healthy and the unhealthy expectations that were put on me or I put on myself around failure and like you have to hit this certain level or else you failed mm-hmm. and, and how that's impacted like just my relationship with my body moving forward and this like you know it's a it's kind of a deficit model to use some of the language that we use to talk about other things is like the good feeling of winning is nowhere near as good as the bad feeling of losing is bad yeah Yeah. and that kind of works in sports at least in baseball you lose all the time like (laughs) you the best player fails 70 percent of the time yeah so you kind of have to come to terms with that but i think at least for me has been super unhealthy to feel like I'm always playing from behind. Mm-hmm. So much anxiety. You know? Yeah. yeah. And that pours into everything. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you, was, was it the injury that stopped that path for you of pushing sports forward? Yeah. It wasn't even me being hurt that I was like, man, I can't. Because it wasn't that like serious. It wasn't a super serious injury. It was like bad that I like needed like crutches to walk and stuff. But it was just because I wasn't wrestling every day now mm-hmm. um, and I had something else filling that space. I think it just gave me the opportunity to like really decide between the two. Even before college, like my summer before, I was constantly asking my friends like, yo, am I going to pursue this art stuff? Am I going to pursue sports? Like, And had sports kind of always taken precedent? Yeah, yeah. I think that's like the the narrative that kind of is, is told to kids in cities too. Like, especially dudes like, you know, you need a sport to to do X, Y, and Z. Like you can't just use like other things that you're you're skilled at. I got into an arts high school in Philly and... um. Like, I had to come to terms with it. I was like, are you, are you about to, like, try and sing and songwrite and all this stuff? I wanted to be a singer-songwriter back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, do, do you want to do this? Like, do you want to, like, pursue this? Or do you want to, like, take a, quote-unquote, more traditional route of doing sports? Even though, like, wrestling is not, like, a traditional sport. It's, it's just, the sport of the cow tippers. <laughs> <laughs> I was you need that. to be able to, like, t- like wrestling, double Wrestling is to basketball as singer-songwriting is to hip-hop. Ooh, ooh! Okay. Not necessary or useful metaphor, but it was there. But it's the analogy was there. Yeah. No, but you're just saying the thing that I definitely relate to of how 
I, I think, and you know, I think it's also not just gendered, but racialized. But you know, yeah. feel free to feel free to bring your experience in there as well. But definitely, it was a um, a cloak or a, a escape mechanism. Yeah, to like not have to do shit I didn't want to do. Yeah, and sometimes it actually came to like my advantage. Like my mom was trying to have me do hella bougie shit, and so I'm glad like I was able to, like I'm not not to be a part of Jack and Jill. I have practice, but like no, I just <laughs> didn't want to hang around snobs. Yeah, uh, but what do you mean by that point about it being a cloak? So like when I was younger. I was pretty good at snare drum. Hmm. And so like my, my teachers were trying to like get me into like this Chicago kids symphony orchestra, yeah, yeah. something music thing, go downtown <laughs> and be with all the rest of the, what I presumed would be white kids. This is how many days a week you should be practicing. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, nah, I'm not about to do that. I want to play basketball and watch Smart Guy and Boy Meets World Real talk. every day. And as I got older, it was then something I was committed to. That when something extracurricular or something that was challenging or something that was a, an investment of time, I could say, no, I, I'm not doing that because I have a focus, even yeah. if it wasn't an actual conflict. Yeah, I've, I kind of did the same thing, but I regret it now. Mm. Just for me personally, like constantly choosing the sport thing over the creative path. Yeah. yeah. When I, you know, every athlete retires eventually. I just happened to be 19 when I did it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think about it. But then I was like, oh, man, I could have not even like... It's not farther along on the professional path. It's just like there was this other piece of me that is really hungry right now that I could have been feeding at least a little bit all this time. But I was so afraid to open that door because so much of who I was and my identity and, you know, this is gendered for sure, was wrapped up in my idea of being an athlete and being physical. And that was like my social scene and and all that. So then like that opening up and being like, oh, actually, who do I want to be spending my time with and what do I want to be spending my time making? That was a real kind of like crisis of faith in in some ways. So for you, I'm just going to talk about me and then flip it back on you repeatedly. We are using you, Dave. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> You're more the host so far. <laughs> I am sitting on the host side. Yeah. Like. Once that jump came and you had that opportunity to kind of reflect, like, oh, this is something that I want to be pursuing. Why was it, folks in Chicago, that that you were paying attention to? Man, so I mean, I grew up listening to Chicago music. I didn't even know I was listening to Chicago music. Like right? who? I mean, Kanye was like my biggest influence growing up easily. Lupe, awesome, more obvious. Um, realized like a lot of poets that I've been reading like in middle school or high school even, like before like I wanted to admit that I was into poetry, were from Chicago. Like hmm. there's this dude, Lee Young Lee, who, yeah. Um, yeah, he stays in Chicago. And that made, like I was just, I figured that out when I moved here. And I was like, damn, I did not realize like how much this city has been like at my neck. You know, that's <laughs> a, but the first time I really started looking into this place as like a cult, like a not a cultural, like a creative hub, was um, the homie Fem Fem Dot. He went to Penn State his first year, mm-hmm. and um, he was on our poetry slam team with me. He just kept on talking about about Chicago, this Chicago that he was talking about YCA, um, and it was so cool, right? Like back in Philly, I had started doing poetry slam like my high school senior year, and we heard about YCA, and we saw like the videos, we saw like we heard about like louder than a bomb, and we're like man, look at all this stuff. And then we have someone like in the flesh, like who does that, right? right. And then he was putting me on the music. You know, I, I learned about Chance my freshman year of high school, um, right after Acid Rap came out. College, um, you're not that. Oh, what I say freshman year of high school? Yeah, yeah. Freshman year, freshman year of college, I learned about Chance. Um, that was right when Acid Rap came out. Um, and then that connected me to like other artists like No Name, and then Jamila and everything. Like I started learning more and more about the music scene here. And then fresh at the end of freshman year, um, Femi, he was like, yo, this was dope out here. I like the things I've been doing, but I got to go back home. Like, shit's popping off home. I'm going to go there. And I was like, damn, like, you really rerouting your life, you know, yeah, for, for to be you, part of this. Yeah. yeah. That made me key even, even more. <laughs> and then just over the years, I would, like, intermittently come out for, like, either, like, events or, like, I just came up with some homies or whatever. Like, we would just, like, come. And I was like, this, like, all, all the art I want to be around is... It's happening there. And then also in the ways that I want to do it too. I think I came up always in between like Philly and New York. Sometimes I'll go to DC, but not really a lot. But like I was so influenced by like Philly and New York culture where someone I interviewed with a couple weeks ago said like there's a difference between like a production city and a process city. Hmm. And like when you get to New York and LA or whatever, like coast cities, you're already like at the top of your game, right? And you're already just doing something that everybody else is also doing, but you're just really, really good at it. Right. And in Chicago, not only are you really, really good at something, you are doing it in a cool-ass way around, like, other people who are also doing cool-ass stuff, hoping that, like, they are also going to be good at what they do. Um, In New York, when you go to an open mic or a show or, like, a conference or whatever, it was always, like, this kind of, like, petty-ass, like, 
I want to be the best in the room or like I want to be the best person at what I want to do. Like my success comes at the cost of others not having success. Whereas like here, I didn't feel that as much. I didn't see it as much from like collaborations I would see within yeah. the art community from um, when I got out here seeing like how people worked with each other in different mediums. I was like, it just feels, I mean, you're going to have petty people anyway, but like it's just so much more community based. If that yeah. makes sense. If like, you live hey, in a city with no petty people, please let me know. Yeah, I'm no, <laughs> definitely ain't going yeah, fund that. No, I, I hear what you, I hear what you're saying for you and your craft before you moved here. Where were you at in terms of specifically on the poetry end and how has being here shaped or shifted that? Man, it's been wild. I was an education major for the first three years of college. There was a lot of messed up stuff happening in the college, like in the college of education at Penn State, and um, just didn't feel comfortable being taught by those people. So I switched into English. Of course, as much or as little as you want to share, but yeah. what was going on? Yeah, so I went for secondary education in English. Um, wanted to teach high school English, um, and creative writing and stuff like that. Just from like my first class. I remember at one, I walked in late <laughs> for a 1220 class, um, but it was educational psychology. And we were cracking into the textbook for the first time, which like I had to buy a $90 textbook. And that should, I never bought textbooks after my freshman year. Nah, never. <laughs> um, I rented some, but anyway. I man. became an habitual stealer <laughs> yeah. of textbooks. <laughs> Once folks told me that they were doing that. I was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm, a, par- I'm yeah. a part of that group. <laughs> I'm a part. <laughs> luckily, luckily, that's a, legacy. Legacy. <laughs> that's a, that's a room I want to be in. <laughs> I'm in that group chat. The, the bookstore. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it just. Sell them back at the end of the semester. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, classic hustle. <laughs> we, um, yeah, they were, we were cracking into the textbook and they were giving out examples of like bad kids or like kids that are like our problem children in the class. And I was like, oh, that's me. Or like, that's a homie. Like, you know, and. I'm very much like a question asker in classes. Like, I'm not afraid of like asking. So I was like, yo, so like, I know kids all like this. Like, even if it was up to y'all, like y'all would be giving us like detention or suspensions, like left and right. Like, how do we reconcile with that? Because like, I'm in, like, I, I made it to this class. Like, I must be a fine kid or whatever. Thinking that like college is how you like deem success or whatever. Yeah. Which like, I had to get rethought or re- retaught. But um, they were just like, well, you know, you got lucky. Like, you got through the cracks. I was like, damn. Like, <laughs> So this is what... Um, just over <laughs> time. Man, it was. Oh, that's such a crazy thing to say. Just straight up. And then my my college of education's like diversity office. There was a dude in there. He was supposed to be like, he wasn't like a therapist or anything. Like he was like an assistant within the office. But we had like weekly meetups because I was on academic probation after my first year. I only got a three Like, and you had to have at least a three five to not be on probation or something. What? Um, yeah, it was. I was in this. I was in the scholarship program. Uh-huh. It was just wild. After after your first year, you could have a three zero and like be fine. But either way, I was on academic probation. Yeah, if you want to fuck up, you better be rich. That's what I'm saying, dog. Like, <laughs> I would have laughed in their faces, man. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, but it just got really unhealthy. He was the only other black male, like in the office, even. And so I like went to him for a lot of things and he kind of had this like pull your damn pants up kind of like, like vibe to him. And it just, it was really uncomfortable. We had like a big conflict over something that happened. And he was like, you know, honestly, I just don't think you should come to these anymore. Like, you know, if you want to, if you want to be out here wilding like that, like that's not on me, like blah. And just, it was a very abusive relationship in a lot of different ways, Mm -hmm. not physically. And, um, started phasing myself out of that, out of that office a little bit. I told my, um the diversity office's head. I don't want to be in this major anymore. Like, I still want to go into education, but, like, I do not think doing it here is healthy for me. So, like, what do I do to, like, switch majors? I wasn't even asking, like, could I? She was just like, you know, honestly, Davon, I'm going to be straight up with you. You got this scholarship because you got high test scores and you're a biracial kid that wants to be a teacher in the city. And we haven't had a black kid graduate from the English program yet, from the secondary English program. If you leave, I'm making sure you do not keep that money. And I was like, well, like, I'm gonna like I I only came here for the scholarship. Like I didn't I I don't have money. I can't get loans, at least like enough loans to yeah. to to pay for that. So I just stayed in the in the major another a uh, couple of years until the end of my junior year. I was gonna drop out. I was just like I'm I'm done with this. This is unhealthy. Like this isn't like I I wasn't in a place where I wanted to be anymore. And I had a homie who was like, listen, we'll find you money. Just like switch majors so you like what you're doing. Went to English. Wow, that was a long way of coming no, back. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um. Switch to English. Got more into like poetics. I wanted to learn more about the technique. I wanted to learn more about the world of like classic poetry mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, um, I didn't know about any of the institutions of poetry. I just knew like poetry slam. So coming from just going to open mics around the town, around the city, there's this thing called Cupsy, which is like the College Poetry Slam mm-hmm. Nationals. Um, like learning about what like poetry could do in a class to like 
now having like three, four, five poetry gigs a, uh, a month, you know, for, for people like paying me to, to read poems instead of like me paying on like how to learn poems. In a year has been one, unexpected. Yeah. And two, like an absolute blessing. Every day I wake up tired as hell. But like to know that I'm tired doing things that I want to do. I don't know. That's what my grandparents wanted. Yeah. That's what my mom wanted. Like I'm here. I'm doing what I want to do. Felt like there needed to be a, a score for that last. Like, <laughs> a very beautiful theatrical yeah. moment. We got to. I'll put it in post. <laughs> All right, add a score. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, what was the question? My fault. How are you balancing? You know that grind of waking up tired every day doing things, even when they're things that you want to be doing, that takes its toll. And how's that going? I'm I'm crying a lot. I'm around a lot of homies that have been teaching me how to cry, have been giving me the space to cry. Teaching you how to cry. Dead ass. Let's, like, let's go there. It, what does um, that look like? I mean, I grew up think. I mean, I was the only, after after leaving my grandparents' house, I was the the only guy in my house until I moved out. And so I had this like very funky sense of masculinity. The typical, you know, like chauvinist like idea of like what's in a man. And so... I would always like repress a lot of my things or like I would repurpose them. And that just made me like really mad at the world. I would always like find a reason for like, what's this world doing to me or whatever? Or like, what, what am I doing wrong? But like, how can I just be like, I would just go to wrestling practice more. I would just lift more. I would just study more. I would just do these things thinking that like, if I produce more, I will be more worthy of like a better situation. And I just, I wasn't giving myself time to like process these things. I wasn't giving myself time to like feel how I wanted to feel. I would say like, you are not being enough of a man if you are crying or if you are being, if you are processing your emotions um, in a healthy way. But yeah, just teaching friends, like instead of, hey, maybe you shouldn't, uh, I don't know if I want to, I was about to say, <laughs> maybe instead of like smoking a blunt, you should go cry a little bit. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know if I wanted to say that loud, but it's fine. Um, and it accomplishes some of the same release. Yeah. You know, releases some of the same chemicals and, you know, <laughs> Literally, it, yeah. you feel better after you cry. Like we know that scientifically that when yeah. you cry, you come out the other end. The yeah. trick is doubling it up. <laughs> Double cry. Yeah. Now, if you as want soon as you start hitting the end, no cry, cries and blunts. <laughs> on top of each other. I think we have the name of your first mixtape. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I've been crying a lot. Man, I cried at work yesterday. Shoot, like we were, it was a it was a late night because we had a bigger issue. My flight got uh got pushed back, so I wasn't able to go into the office on Monday. And it was just like late. We had like another hour of work left, and I was like, damn, we're gonna get out late. I'm gonna go home, and then I'm gonna work for like another three hours on freelance work. And that sucks, like I'm tired, bro. Just went to the bathroom really quick, took like a five minute cry, went back out, got back to it. It's hot fire. <laughs> you need to, you need to, <laughs> honestly. I've been talking to people around me more about like trying to be more like vulnerable about things. I was at, I had a gig a couple weeks ago. Like I did poetry at a so far gig, which is like traditionally like acoustic music or whatever. And everyone like is like seeing me all bubbly and shit like that. And then I'm reading a poem about depression or whatever. And someone, like, one of the performers afterwards when we were just rapping or whatever, they were like, um, I never would have thought that, like, you were that sad or whatever. Like, like, I think, like, so many people deal with that, but I'm so glad you went there because, like, we never know. That made me, like, really think about, like, how lucky I am to be in spaces where, like, I am allowed to bring those things to the table. Yeah. I'm, like, I don't have to constantly be hiding those things. Like, how I was in wrestling a lot. I try mm -hmm. to do that. Like, I'm coaching wrestling now, and I try to, like, leave space for that with my wrestlers in ways that, like, I did not get that space. Where, hmm. like, now, five, six years later, I have to, like, unpack a lot of those things. What does it look like to leave that space for them? Yeah, um, trying to be delicate with them. Um, I could I could kick all their ass, like, at wrestling. At wrestling, not, like, in, in fights for CPS listening. Um, <laughs> we are mandated reporters. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I guess, like, it's crazy, right? Because, like, you go into a room, there's, like, this weird dynamic of, like, knowing I could beat you in a match, or I could beat you at wrestling, or I could make you, like, submit in, like, whatever having that be like the expectation and then like not exercising that in a weird way like allows for for space right mm -hmm. um if i see them like run off or something um after a match that like they should have won or like after doing something that they didn't feel like they should have done in the match like i give them time to like you know process or whatever i'm not saying like get your head up or whatever. like i mean i want you to have your head up and all but like also like how are you feeling like why are you sad like what can we do what can we do later what can we do what can we do now and what does this mean? Also, know that like you didn't lose any value in losing this match. Like you're not going to care about this, this match five years from now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I just didn't. I, I guess I didn't have a lot of that space. I had, I, I had good coaches, but I wish I had a little bit more emotional space. Man, yeah, I've been reflecting on that heavy. Man, but definitely back to the AAU experience I was talking about. Like if there was some type of 
psychological awareness or language. Like not even because we're human beings and that would be a great service to us, but even just like for wins and losses, right? Like if yeah. we were in touch with our psychology as young people, as athletes, as whatever, but like specifically from the role of the coach. Yeah. It would make the team better also. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. well-balanced individuals working together, having an understanding of their emotions makes a better basketball team, I think. Yeah. I was. This was going to be random, but you actually brought it back. So earlier, when we were talking about sports again, we're just we're just dooting it up in here. <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you I've been s- doing uh, dumbbell curls the entire time, <laughs> <laughs> only on the right side. Because <laughs> <laughs> you said something about how losses hurt more mm-hmm. than wins feel good, mm-hmm. and that's just something I've been reflecting on, like outside of competition, but just yeah. in life, how pain is more impactful. Than joy, mm-hmm. yeah, and like, what do we do with that? Where do we go? How do you process? Yeah, and then I think that's a big part of why uh, violence is so impactful. So I'm, I'm just, I'm just going Don't here. Yeah. It's not a question, Spit but I just it, wanna, yeah. want y'all to rock with me. Like, that's why violence is so impactful because it is the most accessible form of power, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. to be able to use physical force in your your body, and it has the highest impact, right? Like. <laughs> You know, showing someone love is not going to bring benefit to the day in the same way that, like, kicking them in their shin is yeah. going to, like, bring it down. Yeah. And that's just, like, a really sad rea- – it might not be the reality. It might just be, like – No, but I think it moment. is, though. Yeah. And but it feels like know. a universal truth that pain is – it takes up more than – and, like, how do we create balance in that? And even, like, on social media, like, Man. they did some study that it's, like, you have to look at a positive comment – for like three minutes for it to stick in your brain the same amount a negative does after like 30 seconds yeah what the hell that's real talk yeah how do we make it through how life is that like this? useful this and does I, not feel sustainable i've right? been trying to be intentional about that right like having joy in like the work i'm doing or like looking at the joy in the work i'm doing like i mean i'm about to go to build coffee after this shout out to build shout out to hannah shout out to bia shout out the whole squad you know <laughs> um but they <laughs> Like, I'm constantly thinking, right, like, yo, I'm tired. I'm on my feet for, like, seven, eight hours, blah, blah, blah. But, like, also, I get to talk to, like, wonderful people for a job. Like, I'm getting paid to make lattes so I could talk to people that I want to talk to. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's beautiful. Like, like I could a, be- You're like a bartender without the alcoholism. Exactly. I mean, Present. it's just, you could be addicted to caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was a crazy thing. Like, I realized the same, um, I was, man, am I going to say that? If you you want to. Uh, I I was... The same things that people say when they're buying, like, coffee or caffeine in any, like, shape or form are the same things that people are saying, like, when they're buying weed or, like, when they're buying a drink or when they're buying... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I just... Like, I I forget where it clicked for me when I was working at Build. I was like, damn, like, I'm really selling a drug right now. Like, well, what are the what are the examples? Like, like, man, I, I really, I need this type of man, thing. Yeah, like, it'll be funny to be like, yeah, you know, I haven't got my coffee yet, you know? Like, I remember yeah. I'd be like, man, I haven't, like, smoked a joint yet, you know? Like, the same reason why people are coming to go get this $5 cup of coffee, which, like, is not a cheap habit, right? Like, people make it seem like coffee is, like, this cheap, like, healthy habit that you can just no, drink no, a cup. No, no. Nah, dog, like, that's joint expensive, especially, like, if you buy a latte every morning, that's 4 5 $6. Like, the cafe up the street from me, if you get a large latte... With like oat milk, and I do because I'm lactose intolerant. Like seven dollars, that's yeah. a lot of money. That's a lot of fun. like, and that is it's a Starbucks. Yeah, it just. <laughs> the, but it's so weird how like Who that's thought like, that Starbucks and Starbucks would cost the same. <laughs> Man, Hamri Mayhem. Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> they did. Yeah. That was their goal. Like exactly, we, we get this up to a Starbucks. <laughs> Howard Schultz just in there smoking. <laughs> Henry Mayhem has a has a bar like that in um in Grown, where they were like um. I'm a star getting these bucks. Ooh. Big money in the sky. <laughs> Ice Frappe is the closest I'm ever going to get to Starbucks. Went from Starbucks to Starbucks. Like, it was it was a bar. Anyway. Nice. Oh, because they did work at, maybe they worked at a Starbucks. I don't, this is going to get it enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm constantly telling myself Now this. it has to stay. <laughs> it just got redeemed. The, I might cut the part of the conversation and just leave the part of me saying this is good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, so with the with the time that we have left on here, I wanted to kind of transition a little bit because, you know, in addition to the work you've been doing as a poet and performing and working at the reader, doing graphic design there and you're doing all this other freelance stuff, working with us has been, I'm sure, an interesting <laughs> journey. We've worked with a bunch of different people in various ways. Shout out to Lola, Chris, and Sammy, but you're the first person who we've like put out an application 
or a call for for resumes and hired and brought in, you know, in the we small felt ways. So that ridiculous. We can. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Reviewing resumes. <laughs> but you know, it's been truly a joy working with you and getting to know you and seeing your skills come out. And more importantly than like to your point, what you're producing, seeing the process evolve and seeing this kind of start to fit into some of the other work that you're doing and the overlaps. So, you know, I guess really the first question is how has it felt in your role on the show and how has that changed in the few months you've been doing this? Yeah, it's been really cool. Because I listened to y'all before I like I applied and everything and I was like, damn, do I apply? Because like I want to, it'd be cool to be on the show one day. Like, you <laughs> know. Good way to, good way to get there. <laughs> but it's in your favor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> dividends, dividends. Um, but it's been really cool because like so many people got a podcast now. Like so many people. Um, <laughs> and we, we fucked up. We got in early, but we didn't like, we could have been, anyway. <laughs> I feel you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, we just could have gotten paid three years ago and now everyone's getting paid and we screwed up. But we're getting paid now. So we're getting there. Exactly. We're getting there. Yeah. It was just a cool way to like do what I'm already do, like doing cool stuff. Talking to cool people, listening to cool people, and like make a little change. Like I'm paying my student loans off the uh, off the check that I get from this, and it's just look at us. <laughs> <laughs> you it must um, not have had very big loans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish three years of that scholarship. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what that emotional abuse um, did for you. <laughs> get that bill down. <laughs> that's what we talk about <laughs> gaslighting for this check. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Damn. Um, but w- yeah, from it, beyond the like the technical part yeah. of it, from what what are some things that you've heard in the conversations that you've listened to? Because you're listening every week. Yeah. That no, have, you're now our number one listener. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We're pay, a paid listener. <laughs> um, but what are some of the things that you've heard that have stuck with you or you feel like have influenced both your craft and the way that you're moving through the city or the way that you even see the city? Yeah. It's just it's made me grow into the city a lot faster. I was already moving around a lot. I was already talking to a lot of people. But listening to these conversations in detail, like it, it just acclimated me like a lot faster hmm. um, in ways that I wasn't like, like when I applied, I wasn't like expecting that. I wasn't like, oh, now we're finna learn about the city a little more. Like I was just like, oh, it's a podcast. I want like, and these, these dudes are cool. It's just really cool seeing like a personal side to people. Um, now, like it's so weird, right? People come into Bill Coffee all the time who like y'all interviewed and- I don't know. I feel like I know them like so much more mm. because like I've listened to you say this sentence 30 times. Like while I was thinking, <laughs> you know? um, but it's it's really cool to have a more detailed and intimate understanding of a lot of people who already were influencing the things that I do on a daily basis. Um, and then also like seeing more of y'all. Man, it was crazy. Like so Damon, back when you were touring with the the which it was with your, your sister and your April, and your April dad, Fool's right? Days, yeah. yeah. You did a show with Pops at Penn State. It was crazy. That was big. Yeah. Was that 2013? No, this, 14 or 15. No, this was this was like our, one of our last shows. So this was like 15, I yeah. want to say. Right. It was just I remember because I was listening to Ergo before like I looked y'all up. And then um when I saw Dan, I was like, he looks really familiar. Like, but I've never like I never met him in Chicago. And then I saw you at Let Us Be that I was like, oh, okay, like he I, I think it's just like seeing each other like in difference. And then when I was applying, it was your dad, seeing your dad like in the uh, in the podcast list. I was like, wait, I remember, I remember. And I was like, wow, such a small world. Like, <laughs> I guess that just goes back to like Chicago's been at my neck for so much longer than I thought. <laughs> you know? And now it's just all kind of coming. So Ergo just kind of like really brings things together. And the first the first time we sat down, you had the pictures that you had taken at yeah. that show that helped. at Penn State. Man, if you got old photos of one of us, oh, if you yeah. got like my baby photos, <laughs> yeah. you're getting the job. Yeah, you want to solve it with that. So something that's like a shift I've I've felt that's coincided with like the time you've been working with us is definitely early on it was we we are archiving, we're creating this document. It's like, you know, personal narrative based. Uh, but as it's growing, it's feeling more like an educational project and yeah. exercise. And that's more how I'm trying to see it and like approach this space and this work. And so for you listening so intently, because I don't and can't do that, <laughs> I'm curious, like, what are some of the patterns that you're seeing that are emerging in all of these, you know, as this is an example, conversations that can go all over the place? Yeah. Where are you finding like repetition or connections into some of the things that are coming out because really trying to figure out what the lessons are of all of this talking we're doing. Yeah. um, I've been seeing like how connected people are to other people that like may not be in the same like realm. Um, Mm -hmm. When Andy Clarno was like talking about the different organizations that are working with. um, The the gang database. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, The Stop the Gang Gang Database. Like 
I was like, wait, I know people at that org too. And I know, but the fact that like this U Chicago professor can like have connections in Mm -hmm. a completely different realm of Mm -hmm. the city. It's really cool to me. I'm sorry, not U Chicago, University of Illinois at Chicago. And then I has feel a book like he would Chicago. want that corrected. Yeah. <laughs> and then has a, a book with you, with, you, uh, with you, Chicago. Yeah, no, just seeing that. Man, seeing um, Jay Bambi and Green Slime like, talk about like going to the same program as a kid, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that <laughs> Down was... to the Montessori, John. I was like, it's, it's crazy. Very early on, we had uh, L.A. Van Gogh on. And we used to take uh, the guests out to lunch afterwards because we had a little sponsorship with Lighthouse Restaurant in Hyde Park. Rick Wilson walked in, who had been a guest before that. And over the course of the conversation sitting there, they realized that they were cousins. Damn. So <laughs> Y'all really bring a familial yeah, connection. <laughs> also with L.A. Van Gogh, we realized in the conversation that I was forced to go to his school's homecoming with his ex-girlfriend. Oh, snap. <laughs> you don't remember that? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I got, my mom's like minty or something. They had like broke up and like she was boyfriendless. And it was like, oh, I was like the ringer, like come in and try to help me shit, shit on my boyfriend. It was like the whole thing, like match my outfit and like be a gentleman. Damn. Oh my like, God. My mom was Damn. like, you have to like look your best. You could have made, you made a fortune as a prom ringer. <laughs> <laughs> you could have put money in your pocket. You were, the, you know, you were a investment kid. You could have had that yeah, that yeah. hustle down. That's funny. Or did we not say that on air? Did we figure that out while we were listening to a song? <laughs> I might have just revealed that. Uh, Shout out to LA Van Gogh, <laughs> super homie. <laughs> so between the work you're doing with us and, and all the things that you're doing in all these different corners of the city, what are the things that still feel like mysteries about the work and the movement building and the community happening here? Man, everything. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm. I'm so blessed to be in the experimental station because I'm constantly learning about either new things or new ways to do the same things I've been doing. I guess keeping an open mind like that has been really helpful because I'm always learning new ways to look at the world. Like, I, I don't know, the older I've gotten, the more places I've been to, um, the more experiences I'm having and like the more ways that I get to think about those things. Constantly going from space to space to space is forcing me to see those, like, those, those things in different ways. Like when I leave the reader, um, I host an open mic at Bill Coffee on uh, first Mondays. So it's like I'll have been at the reader from 10 to 4 in like this very like staunch journalism like mind. Take the four, uh, the four bus down to, to build and all of a sudden I have to be like in a poetry mindset or whatever. Even though like I have all like these journalism like yeah. wirings in, my, in the back of my head. And like that's not a bad thing. I think that's gorgeous. Like I think that's beautiful to be able to just navigate these different worlds seamlessly. And that's just a, that's just a fancy way to say like I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. all the different mysteries that are around, right? Yeah. Is yeah. there any particular thing that you are curious about in Chicago that you don't understand yet that you might want us to try to help illuminate? Hmm. Ooh. Uh, damn, that's tough. Man, why don't anybody, like no one talks about like how the East Side like really is a thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot, when I first got here and I was in these different spaces, folks would be like, oh, there is no like East Side Chicago. And I was like, oh, like I did, like I, I just went along with it. And then when I realized, like, I was looking at a map one day, because I used to live over east, like, when I first got here. And I was looking at, a, like, just a map on Google or whatever. And I'm like, this is definitely, like, an east side. Um, and I started, like, thinking more. I started, like, talking to people and realized, like, the, like, the actual Chicago natives, like, did recognize that, like, over east type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an ass- absurd thing to say, like, it's just an erasure of yeah. black people and people of color. Is pretty, pretty. That was pretty much going to be the answer to any question. That you <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad that we got it more. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think it's it's a it's a, a tourism mindset. Yeah. And so you know, when someone who is saying that is talking to someone usually who is coming to visit downtown, who is coming to go to restaurants, uh, and the idea that you know there is nothing there, yeah, uh, then just gets like replicated. Hurts. Yeah. Also, like, it took me forever to learn what an alderman was. I recently learned that in New York, until 100 years ago, the city council members were called aldermen. They were using that term. What Were they councilors now? City council people? City council men, city council women. Also, it is legally required, even if you're a woman, that you be called a alderman. Yeah. Wow. The alder person thing we try to throw in there, that's... That, yeah. That's just us. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, isn't that I didn't wild? Know that. Yeah. yeah. The more you know, folks. <laughs> Where do you go from Alderman? Uh, let's go forward real quick, which is let's say five, ten, or less so than like where do you want to be? But like, is there something that you see all of this working toward? Yeah. I mean, I love my city to death. I love Philadelphia for all the things it's done for me, all the things that it's still doing for me. I thought I, you meant the cow tipping town. <laughs> no, I mean, Vineland, cool. Vineland, shout out to Vineland. 
Somebody has to. <laughs> Some because ain't no one else. <laughs> ain't no Somebody one. Somebody gotta run. <laughs> um, but I love my city to death, and I want to make it back there one day. But for now, I just want to be able to do whatever I'm called to do in the best ways. And I think Chicago, not think. I know for a fact Chicago is like giving me the tools to do that, and like in ways that Philly would not be able to do for me or any other city. I when I was also like looking at places to go after college, I graduated fall seventeen. And then um, stayed in my uh, in my college town for a semester after that. Um, and I was trying to find out where to go. I had a job out in L.A., a prospective job in Colorado Springs that I was thinking about with the uh, Olympic Center. But no city's going to equip me in the same way that, like, Chicago is right now. I'm just trying to get everything that I can, everything that I should get. Not like— Yeah, yeah you know. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know what that looks like. I'm trying to find out every day. But there's no magnum opus that you're building the skills to make that's, like, percolating, or there is? Oh, there is. There is. Um, I want a book. I'm in a contest right now for a book with Button. God, <laughs> like if I get that shit. It's wild because like, anyway, um, want a book. I want to be able to like travel with my work as much as I can. I just want to be able to see more of the world. The Philly Pigeon, which is a poetry venue, um, a collective back in Philly, they were the first ones to like take me out of the country off art. Where'd you go? We went to Jamaica for a retreat for the oh, Calabash wow. Writing Festival. That's super sad. And I, I was with my homie Dave G. We both started poetry together and like we are now in different worlds in poetry together and it's really cool. We were like, yo, we're going to Jamaica off poems, bro. Like we we wrote three minute poems and we're now flying into the Caribbean. I just want to do that more. Um so yeah. I think the the Magnum opus is just to like see more of the world and whatever that looks like, I want to do it. That's beautiful. Is there before we wrap, you know, you spend a lot of time listening to us talking to microphones and then we talk just the three of us off <laughs> microphones. Is there anything that you have wanted to ask us and haven't had the opportunity to yet? Hmm. Y'all leave yourselves pretty open for questions, so I'm thinking about that. Like, if there's been anything that I've been like, hmm. man, what does a successful ergo look like for y'all? Mm, you go first. Or have y'all reached that already? No, like, we have. I mean, I think we accomplished our first goal, or are in a place where we have accomplished, you know, a version of what we set out to do. At least that's how I feel. Which was archive and showcase the individuals who were creating innovative art and building impactful social movements in Chicago. I think just on a personal level, I'd like it to be, you know, moving toward financially sustainable. You know, it can continue to be a labor of love that doesn't have to be balanced with everything else. It can be prioritized in a different way. And then there's all, you know, we we have started calling when like we're doing our mission statement and stuff for grants. Like we are a radio show, podcast and movement media hub. Hmm. So I think trying to build up what that means so that there are, you know, some umbrella of projects that can use some of the tools that we built and can be making all kinds of different things. That's podcasts, web series, DJ mixes, channels for the, you know, helping people use some of these tools and apply them in the media that they feel called to use. Yeah. Um, and then I just want to be on stage interviewing people more. And I think if that's something that we can get to, at least for me, that'll feel really gratifying of like, not having prioritized the performance piece of it, hmm. but that is something that I love to do and feel really called to do in conversation rather than individually. Yeah. So that's not a an end goal, but those are some of the things that I feel like we're we're moving toward and on the brink of. What about you, Dame? Yeah, that's pretty in alignment with what I was. I guess we've talked about. What this. a relief. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I would say, you know, part of our initial goal was reflecting or amplifying what already was. Hmm. Uh, and I think now moving to a space where infrastructurally, whether it's the content itself or the, the different spaces and mechanisms we're trying to build, is now creating the people that we would talk to, right? So right. from Ergo, I then became a creator or a worker for... Hmm for justice, for equity, for change, for progress. It was because I listened to this or because I showed up to this thing or because I participated in whatever workshop or program that I am now doing these things. Yeah, so, so less as a ref like a mirror back and more of a like a builder, fertile ground a, type a, of thing. A, a springboard. Hmm. And so, yeah, not just like, hey, look at you and look what you already are, um, but contributing and helping to build what is what is not yet come. And to be honest, as you know, I'm glad we're getting to talk to you at this point because 
the way that you are moving, you will keep moving forward. Yeah. Like we have watched that and <laughs> seen that, and there's no question. So I'm glad we got to talk to you at this point where it's still yeah. kind of all that's fresh and you're figuring Thank it out. Yeah, yeah, oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's check out real quick. Any idea, feeling, thought from this conversation that stuck with you? Um, just community. Community is gorgeous. Um, I'm really glad um, that this community has held me so well. And I'm really glad that I was called to like be in community here amongst all the other places that people could be. You know, there's seven and a half billion people in the world and they're all doing things in their different corners. And I'm glad this is the spot that like I landed. I don't know. I've been learning a lot from Ergo. I've been learning a lot from the people that Ergo have been putting me onto. No, that's it. For Just sure. Great. What about you? Two things. I'll do the long one first. So we're poor. At a, at a lot of things, <laughs> but one thing that, that, that we're really good <laughs> at is is like setting goals hmm. and like knowing what we are striving towards. And we had like three to five, and I think one of them was to be a beacon or an entry point for the transplants or folks hmm. from not from this space to be able to get a more intimate look, you know, at these things that are intriguing or feel like a kindling fire. And so I think you are a, a great embodiment of that and the thing that we asked and I think you even just answered again in your checkout that like I would have even asked a third or a fourth time is you named how this space and these dynamics uh, was pulling you and now they are holding you and just like digging out more and more of the what you found the why of that Mm. to be so that's definitely a big one uh, and you've answered it with community that's the the thing that I'm still hungry to talk more about. And then the other one, and I think I'm I think I'm gonna recycle this like three or four times. I think I'm gonna <laughs> talk about this one until it gets stale. This idea of pain being more impactful than joy, like the same yeah. output of pain as joy, the the input or how it is received mm. and just the imbalance I think that that creates. And I, I think that's almost at the center of like the struggle of existence is that things hurt more than they feel good. And like why is that and how do we reconcile and deal with that yeah. are the things that I think I'm going to ask a lot of people. You're going to fuck with. around and become a theologian. <laughs> you know, that's, that's scary. The basis. That's, that's kind of what know. they're trying to figure out. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've arrived at the God portion. We'll be back next week. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was going to be mine also, that conversation around pain and joy and the balance of that and its impact. And then also I, the sports team thing was just interesting to me. Mm. It's, you know, it was just the way things were for me. And so now trying to figure out like why I made the choices I made, what are the things that I left behind because of that? And, you know, for better or for worse, has that shaped me? It was useful to hear both of y'all's perspectives on that. I hope someone was uh, interested in hearing us talk about our shit so much. They uh, supposedly are. They should be. Shout out to you for listening. Much love to the people. That wasn't even goodbye. That was just Just a love. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, where can folks find you in the ways you want to be found, Avon? What do you got coming up? All that good stuff. Yeah. Tomorrow I have an event. Um, I, I, I don't know the, the the theater name off the top of my head, but the uh, it's just a, it's a poetry reading. That's it. I got a poetry <laughs> reading tomorrow. <laughs> um, you know, so I'll definitely have that. You can find me at Day by Davon, D-A-Y-B-Y-D-A-V-O-N. That's on Twitter. It's on Instagram. That's my website. I hate, I, I was about to say I hate social media. I don't hate social media. I, I think it's really valuable. I am terrible at replying to stuff on social media, at like commenting and sharing. So if you want to hit me up and you got my number, just text me. <laughs> Did you not say that you hate it because that's what we hired you to do? No, 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 no. I do, I do think it's really, I actually do think it's really valuable to like be able, that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> yeah. I think social media is really valuable on a personal level. It's hard for me to do. Yeah, hit me up at a reading or whatever. Cool. Yeah. You said the first Monday of every month? Yeah, first Monday is the experiment, the build open mic. So we do um a workshop um type setting. So like um we're actually like refiguring it now. It's like really cool. We're gonna be like in like kind of a more like a group setting where you have time to share whatever work that you want to without any disclaimers. And then we could have like feedback or like workshopping for it. Um just because like I feel like that was something I wasn't able to get a lot. So we're trying to cool. open up like a community based space like that, the open mic. Cool. Nope, nope, nope. Yeah. Can I leave lead us out on a, a dad joke type comment that I came up with that I didn't have a chance to say? For mm-hmm. sure. You have picked three of the only professions where you, people submit mm. wrestling, photography, and poetry. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You know what I also just realized what? is that our names are only one letter different. Who, Damon and Davon? Yeah. Yeah. You just realized that? Yeah. 
I guess like I'd be typing your name out a lot uh, more than true, you type my true. name out. Yeah, that makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> so. The power imbalance. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming this through. Thank you so much, up. man. This is chill. We'll be back next week with another person reshaping the culture of the city for the more equitable and creative. And as always, much love to the people. Peace. Damon, you recognize those drums? I think I do. You know what song they're from? Is this a Bell Biv DeVoe moment? It's a Bell Biv DeVoe moment. That is from the song Poison. <laughs> I really thought that song was America's favorite poison. No, no, no. Turns out it's beer. <laughs> Speaking of beer, this episode is brought to you by Lagunitas Brewing Company, Chicago Tap Room and Beer Sanctuary. Come for fresh beer, live music, and killer food Wednesdays through Sundays. Killer food. <laughs> 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. Bring your group and hop on a brewery tour seven days a week or swing by the Lagunitas Tap Room in Pilsen. Does sanctuary like imply meditation and offerings to the Lord? <laughs> Not my lord. <laughs> you can also find some Lagunitas near you at lagunitas.com. Life is uncertain. Don't sip.